Alright, so before we got into a pretty good discussion about things we wanted to see in 6th edition, as well as things that 5th edition did really well, we'll start off with some positive stuff. Things that were done really well in 5th edition, or any improvements to the system that were made, uh, switching over from 4th to 5th or 3.5 to 5th, whichever system was last played. Uh, I'll start us off with some good things about 5th edition. The backgrounds, um, really well done. The fact that backgrounds are part of creating a character is a really good step forward to making an actual role-playing game. And the fact that the backgrounds are pretty vague, wide-encompassing, so it can really be whatever you need it to be, definitely a positive note for 5th edition. As well as just pushing role-playing in general. For theme and branding for 5th edition, just really, really smart and positive for them. Anything you want to add for good notes on 5th edition? What I really liked about 5th edition is uh, the simplicity and ease it is to um, pick up a game and just start playing. I think a lot of the roadblocks with uh, other editions, there's, there's maybe too much complexity for some people. So I do like that this one kind of caters it to a more um, open audience and a little more of a friendly character creation and friendly combat system so that anyone can enjoy the game. Yeah, I actually have the same feeling uh, with um, the idea of them streamlining the game to just make it more accessible. This is pretty much the most accessible version of D&D there is to any player that's never experienced a role-playing game before because they don't there's not as many small details that you have to really pick up on you can kind of just wholesale paint your character how you want it to run with it and then you can experience the idea of D&D. right so that ease of use is really something we all kind of find uh, compelling about this edition i think something that contributes to that is the lack of books that they have released, uh, which I think is more good than bad. Uh, I know previous editions have had upwards of six releases uh, for new books per year, all of them with new player mechanics, stat blocks, feats, and subclasses. And that can be very daunting for a new player, especially if their group is a little bit more seasoned. They might suggest the newer things to a new player, which isn't always good. But the lack of books and the lack of overabundance for options is a good strike for 5th edition. That's a definite. That was one of the major complaints from 4th edition that they didn't do nearly enough testing on some of the power books that they released near the end of this, the life cycle of that uh, edition. Like, for instance, Divine Power and uh, Arcane Power and Psionic Power. All those books had some crazy power level abilities for first to fifth level characters. And just creating something out of the gate with that. If I mean, like, granted, if you were experienced in creating your character, it was perfect. But if you were brand new and that was like the only book you picked up, you might not be getting the whole idea of the class you may want to actually play. So them keeping everything to very specific books probably was better for them in the long run overall maybe the idea of having less books might fit in with their more open 
ideology that they had going on with this edition? Well, the less that there is defined, the more the more that's open to the player that whatever they want to create or do. So it makes it easier to have variety in the characters that you create. But it, at the same time, it also feels like it's just as easy to create very samey characters or characters that don't have much distinction between them. Right. It does become a little bit more difficult to define your character, especially if there are certain options that are clearly the most optimal. And it is a role-playing game. People are encouraged to pick whichever thing is most fitting for their character and not just the thing that is the strongest, but it is still a game. Um, and a lot of people still are coming into it from different backgrounds. They might not all be theater majors. They New players might be coming from uh, more video game backgrounds where why wouldn't I take the best thing as one of the downfalls. Any other design choices from 5th edition that you feel were a step back instead of forward? I think that because of the lack of materials that we were discussing before, it can lead to an oversimplification of the classes, thus, you know, leading to lack of options you have in the way you can play certain classes. Um, I think when given those options, uh, like you said, players will be more tempted to just choose mathematically what's doing the most damage or what will great, make the greatest impact on a game, uh, given those options, rather than um, playing the game for its role-playing sake. Um, I feel like them removing them removing the lore at focus from the books kind of created a space in the game where it's a little easy to just kind of have everything be the same basic fantasy lore. So like them not keeping in some of the things that made Dungeons and Dragons defined throughout the editions, like the Shadowfell or the Underdark or any of the places that have been explored in the past, them not building upon those things to create something new or even giving like suggestions to the play to the DMs to create these worlds themselves makes it feel like everything is very flat. Everything is just I'm in the Lord of the Rings or I'm in Skyrim and I'm just doing what every normal fantasy player would do. Right. The kind of homogenization of the basic fantasy land um, where it does feel like you're in this random Tolkien kingdom or you're just in just Skyrim and kind of not keying in on those specifically D&D &D aspects definitely did uh, lend that air of blandness for 5th edition definitely agree with that uh, for me personally, them sticking too much in tradition in certain aspects kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, in terms of game design, as a medium, tabletop RPGs have come a long way, and seeing that Wizards of the Coast have decided to kind of stick with things that might not be the best design-wise 
didn't go over well with me. Uh, certain things like derivative numbers for stats, where you have your main stat, and then you also have a modifier for that stat, which is the number you wanted all along. So there was no real reason for you to have the first number. You just wanted to see the second number. Uh, keeping in classes that mechanically don't fill a role anymore and could have been relegated to things like feats or backgrounds, things like that. I think overcoming that tradition is going to be one of the largest hurdles that they can do in order to expand the game. Um, it's completely doable. However, um, I'm not sure if they can exactly calculate the backlash versus the benefit of continuing to evolve the game, even though it could end up better. It feels like they've already accepted not gaining any backlash. Like they're, there's, the, the choices that they've made through design in Fish Edition already makes it seem like the least amount of backlash is their end goal. And doing anything that moves them towards having a happier fan base is what they're going to consistently do. Which way it may even feel like we're getting a more flat or more boring game over time due to the fact that it's just easier to create this homogenous, simplistic version of the game rather than trying to innovate or develop it. If you take it the easy way or like the safe way. Exactly. I don't know. I think as a community, uh, the players of this game definitely need to be open to these changes which can ultimately enhance the experience even if it means going away from the traditional or the archaic um, ways the game worked in the past that's the thing though it's they have set themselves up to cater to that they have set themselves up to cater to to, to tradition and only like basically uh what's it called reworking or what is it called when they redo something basically redoing the same content but with a new face like when they remake uh rambo movies or remake fucking like the lion king stuff like that it becomes so wanted or becomes so needed by the fan base that it it prevents them from actually creating anything new right that attachment to tradition is going to be the largest point of contention uh for any upcoming development that they decide to do. There's going to be diehard fans of older editions of the game, or even just diehard fans of the current edition of the game that are going to be very uh, resistant to that change if they decide to change anything at all. Yeah, like, look at it, like, imagine it this way. Let's say you were a diehard Ranger player for many, many years. And we in the past have spoken about how the Ranger class doesn't really need to be a class in the first place and let's say they make the decision do something different and don't make the ranger a class and say they just make it a part of the fighter now as that longtime ranger player you would feel almost betrayed that you've stuck with this class for so long and you don't want to play a ranging fighter you want to play a ranger as written in the book and i think it's those kinds of players that 
they don't want to um, dishearten with these changes, almost like disillusion them. Right. In this current edition of the game, they have strived to make the least offensive uh, version of the game that they uh, possibly could, where there is nothing that people would openly and passionately object to. Um, but that does lead to it feeling very, very flat and very homogenized. But assuming that Wizards of the Coast uh, was okay with making uh, changes, some bolder changes in the next edition, what kind of things would you guys hope to see in 6th edition of Dungeons & Dragons? I want to see a more grandiose power spike. Um... What really, what I really liked about the previous edition, fourth edition, were these, was it the Paragon classes, or when you would, I guess, advance in your class and you would get these, these huge, amazing powers. I want to see that happen in the next edition. This sort of um, make the heroes more heroic, and have the levels seem more exciting. Um, there comes a time where. You level up in 5th edition and you just gain more health. That's like the, the big thing you get. I want to see some more fantastic powers and more exciting abilities being put into the game for everyone. That goes against what they've already been saying, though. They want, they actually specifically, which surprised me, they say no one really plays games past level 10. And it like made me think of how drastic of a uh, change that's been since them designing fourth edition, where they designed one level one to thirty. That's like incredible to me that they they designed a game to pl be played from one to thirty, but then the next edition after that, they're like, no, we just want people to play from one to ten, and then all the content that we've written for ten to twenty is just whatever. I want them to in 6th edition, at least make it so that getting to that high level is something that may be a, val a valid playstyle, so that it doesn't feel like just because you enjoy playing that way, you're, being, you're at odds with the designers of the games themselves. I feel like that could fall under a table issue, though, because in my opinion, there's just too many DMs that are afraid to level up characters for absolutely no reason at all, and that keeps the characters low level. They're afraid of the game advancing too fast or anywho, even though they, they've spent the last six months at level three. I can understand why some people feel like overwhelmed by that, because if you're building, usually when that happens, it's because the DM makes a mistake of building super far out and ahead concrete details of how the encounters are supposed to go. And if it doesn't actually match up that way, people may gain experience faster. People may complete things quicker. And so then they have to go through and rechange all of their numbers on their characters that they've made. But if that's part of the game. It's part of the flexibility of being a DM. So I understand what you're saying. 
Right. That flexibility of being a DM is definitely uh, one of the most important things in a DM's toolbox, that ability to improvise and just roll with it, just play it straight and roll with it. Um, in terms of DMs being afraid to level up their players, the reason for that is the monster and enemy design in 5th edition. Uh, if you've played at any table where there's any player characters over the level of like 5 or 6, then you've seen how um, overtuned they are in term in comparison to monsters and enemies that are supposed to be on equal footing with them uh, from the game's standpoint of balancing, using the CR system to make a balancing counter for, say, four level eight players. Um, doing that rarely nets you a... Uh, rarely nets you an encounter, a combat encounter that is balanced, where the players don't immediately sweep, and the the designers have gone on record to say as much, uh, that the CR system just doesn't work, it's more of a, a very broad guideline, and it's a very inaccurate broad guideline at that. I would love to see them shift back towards the 4th edition monster design, honestly, because it was just very smart how they did 4th edition monster design. Monsters had levels, and they told you how to use them. If you needed them to be up against a level 4 party, and it was a level 8 monster, they showed you um, what to do with the stats to make it a little bit more balanced, or what monsters to add in in order to make that fight a little bit more balanced. Also, all the abilities were on the monster stat block, so you didn't need to go traipsing through the player's handbook in order to find the spells that the dragon can cast. It was just on that stat block. Which, uh, much smarter design, honestly. That's actually one of the things I do want to see in 6th edition. I want to see relevant information being put into the DM's book guide or a handbook. I don't want... A f I really do not need a paragraph on why a dragon is a dragon. I need the information on what the dragon's going to do in combat. What 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 values am I supposed to be giving to this if I'm not making them up myself? Or just even a quick reference sheet to create a quick monster. Any of those things would help DMs more than just a quick written paragraph on how I'm supposed to DM as this fucking dragon. It's not that hard to do. Right, and I do feel like the lack of things in the actual stat block is from uh, the fear of overcrowding that stat block, which is very understandable. Um, that's just um, good formatting sense. Uh, if there's too many things in that stat block, then it just gets too muddled. Uh, a reason for that is I think there's just too many stats that we see um, in in the game in general and it's stemming from that whole aspect of tradition in DD, where we're so attached to those six ability scores we're so attached to those derivative numbers the proficiency bonuses all of these things that we don't really need which is what i would love to see i would love to see them break the mold on what a character sheet actually contains um, 
I personally don't believe you need six ability scores and then 20 different, 20 different skills. Abstracting that a little bit more would be much more useful to uh, every player at both sides of the screen. They've already designed the system to be that way, where you're not needing necessarily to even use half the skills you got. Right. Like I would argue that you don't need deception, persuasion, and insight to be separate skills. Things where you're good at getting people to believe what you're saying to them and being able to detect whether or not someone is being forthright with you when you're speaking to them. That can all be under, a, say, a speechcraft skill, which is how skilled you are in conversation and diplomacy. Yeah, so something I would like to see as well would be not so much a how-to, but more of a guide on role-playing itself. Um, I think beginners and even experienced players could benefit from this type of play. And it can really um, help the players maybe who are really focus into the combat aspect of the game just because they don't know much about the completely other half of gameplay with D&D and that's the role-playing section. So I'm not sure how it can be done exactly but maybe a guide on role-playing not definitely not a how-to but a guide can be beneficial a new edition like that. Absolutely and uh, in terms of putting in more guides on how to roleplay, I think the best method of doing that would be to put in more um, put in more tools and mechanics in the game that have to do with roleplaying. As it stands right now, 5th edition is a game about killing monsters. That's what all the, or the vast majority of your class features are about. That's the vast majority of what spells do. That's the vast, that's the only rules as written way to gain experience is by kicking down the door and committing some nice murder. Um, things to actually promote role playing, such as your background or your race or ancestry, giving you goals to meet that serve as how you uh, gain experience, not just through. Uh, killing things uh, say you are someone has a criminal background and then one of your goals can be I'm going to accrue X amount of gold or I'm going to have X number of hirelings follow me and be loyal to me uh, and that's how you would actually gain experience which is I feel that would be a good solution to that or at least a good step in the right direction towards actually making it a more role-playing centric game make or make you they could easily do that just by making inspiration more of an involved mechanic instead of just being oh you get to re-roll a skill check or some shit it is like inspiration for doing a great job at role-playing you are now able to gain xyz or you have the ability to automatically succeed at whatever or you have any any amount of design choices you can possibly do just make it more involved in the actual playing of the game right in most tables uh that i've 
I've personally played at, they're already doing things that uh, are similar to that, making inspiration and um, role-playing a more rewarded aspect. So there's definitely a, a desire for that within the community. Um, even when I've been looking on uh, forums and all that, just uh, communing with the rest of uh, the D&D community, just trying to figure out what it is people are thinking about the game, uh, they people want role-playing to matter a little bit more, you know? Yeah, and it's actually a very interesting place to be because I feel like the fan base they're building now is going to have the inverse reaction to what the fan base of the 3.5 edition happened when they saw 4th 4th edition. They're going to, instead of basically be ready to change into something new, they're going to pretty much be like, oh, you guys created the perfect system already. Why would we bother to change? Something I'm really looking for out of them is to encourage groups to actually design rules for their own table. I feel like that that should be one of the things that is included. Every time you start a D&D group, rules should be addressed. How? What do you guys want out of the game? How are you guys enjoying the game? What do you not? What do you? What do you want to not experience when you play D&D? Having all of those things written out and understood makes it so that you, no one's ever confused when they come to the table and what they're expecting. Right, and having advocacy for that and that rules um, inclusion and having advocacy for starting that discussion uh, for both sides of the screen is super important. Like Both sides of the screen need to be involved in that discussion. The DM and the players, they everyone's got to be putting into this. That's the only way to have a a uh, session that everyone's already uh, mostly on board with. Uh, unless you're playing with a group of friends that you already have the same pre-tailored tastes for rules, um, which even then, you, there's going to be some contention. So starting off your table with... Uh, a rules discussion of what you want. What do you want from the game? What other people want from the game? How to make that work together? Uh, be phenomenal. That's. I agree with you completely. I really want to see that in 6th edition. Right, and doubling back to the, the topic of wanting a little bit more role-playing in the game. I think backgrounds are a fantastic inclusion into the game. Uh, definitely A-plus for Wizards of the Coast for just including that and making that mandatory for your character. Um, I just want that to be a little bit more, a little bit more involved, a little bit more meaningful. Because uh, a character can have a background, and until they decide to have it matter, it doesn't. Which is something I would, 
I prefer to to avoid. I like using every single part of my character sheet when I'm playing my character. So things like the background, maybe have it be a little bit more uh, mechanically prevalent in the character. You can definitely include um, those milestones of the goals of having your... You can definitely include goals for your character to have advancement included in your background, which is a fantastic segue uh, to give your character motivation. Why is your why does your wizard have the criminal background? That can easily lead to why is my what is my wizardry doing for my criminal background? Am I trying to escape? the criminal background? Am I trying to enhance my criminal background with my wizardry? Like, There's a lot you can do with that if you just make backgrounds a little bit more prevalent. One way you can easily do that is move it earlier in the character creation. I think um, it can be a way to make it a little more into the minds of the players. Um, I think as, as it's now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's one of the last things you choose, right? In 5th edition? Yes, it's pretty. It's like the fourth thing, the fourth theory of your character you start creating. Right. So I think it could be a, a good idea just to, you know, in, con, in continuing to revamp the background system, just push it up a little, a little further in the character creation. Make it, make that something you choose early. Like make the character first. You know what I mean? And then go from there with the classes. I'm personally somebody who does not like the background system. Um, not because it's bad or because it's not well designed. More or less just because I don't need help giving my character a background. And it feels the options that they give you, it's not necessarily limiting, but it makes it feel like, oh, okay, the moment that I put that for the background of my character can no longer change. But it is also a helpful thing for people who don't know what to do for the character in that regard. But making it something, I, I would say, a good compromise between people who don't need the backgrounds and people who do would just make it so that you could choose any bonuses you want to give to your character and then just create a background and choose from the list of background bonuses that you want. Yeah, I was going to mention maybe like a, a custom background option, like a variant. I know they have that in the 5th edition, but it's not, it's not as accessible. Right, and as we've been uh, in a gaming group, uh, we've all been exploring with other systems, whether that be uh, peeking in on other tables, designing our own systems, or just playing other systems entirely. And we've all played uh, at least two editions of uh, Dungeons & Dragons ourselves. What are some things from other editions or other systems that you would like to see implemented, uh, whether that be mechanical or just a feel that you want to be uh, put into fifth or sixth edition. I want more open world interaction. So for example, um, I want it. Uh, how can I explain this? A sort of 
um, openness to the DM, maybe even so written so in the books, that the players can interact with their world and those around them in ways that are not exactly listed on the spells or abilities that they're using. Yes, they have something similar to that in, um, if I'm understanding you, something similar to that in Blades in the Dark, where if an adventure is happening and something goes wrong, you can spend uh, basically a plot point to interact with the story um, in a way that's usually only reserved for the DM, such as the common uh, example for this is you're trying to sneak into a um, into a mansion, uh, and the DM stops and said, there is a guard there. Uh, he's going to frisk you guys and make sure you don't have any uh, weapons on you. And someone can spend one of their plot points to say, well, I spoke to the DM, I spoke to the guard last night and I bribed him so that he can let me through with a dagger or that he won't frisk me. You see, that's awesome, because that saves so much time in a session, and that basically has it so you're playing the game more often than metagaming or just prepping for no reason. Metagaming has all to do with the DM. You can't create a common-sense solution to something instead of just making somebody choose like to do the same check over and over. That's, that's just poor DMing. Um, something I like to see from another system is uh, the system Torchbearer has a lot of different um, survival mechanics in the way that the game is almost almost entirely about surviving the dungeon. Um, I don't think that would be um, what a lot of people for um, Dungeons & Dragons would be looking for, but I do feel like dungeon delving would uh, be enhanced by some more survival uh, some more survival mechanics um, kind of limiting how deep you guys can delve into the dungeon what dangers you guys are facing that might force you guys to have to back out from your mission or prepare a little bit more uh, consciously and really seeing that progression in your character when you don't need to worry as much about am I going to be able to survive three consecutive days in the dungeon maybe that will be pretty easy for you once you reach like level seven or eight who knows I just want more of this like so I, I played Call of Cthulhu and from that system of games I enjoy the fact that your character is affected mentally by the world around them. So for that to translate into D&D, necessarily don't need a sanity system because that's a whole another set of numbers you have to keep track of and something that may cause somebody to be or disheartened to even trying the game. I would see it as something where it's more of a role-playing metric where it's like, are you shaken? Do you feel like this is something that your character would want to do, yes or no? If it is something that they would want to do, add one to their morale if it isn't something they want to do minus one from their fear or something and then if there is a certain level that they reach between any of that then there's different effects that happen to each of your characters for that for whatever level of fear or morale that they're at 
And those are just placeholder terms for the for the time being. But the idea that, all right, something doesn't make sense to your character in the world. You don't have to fucking just do what the DM wants you to do and go fight fight the un the unwavering force and you can go and choose to run away from it if you want to even though it may not help your group even though it may not push the story forward it is at the end of the day what your character would want to do and it's more interesting than just being like oh i'm a hero i'm unfazed by anything in the world i'm gonna go kill everything in front of me right and i really enjoy things like that which is why um i just feel that much stronger um wanting a sort of guide definitely not a how-to but a guide on what it means to role play isn't there already something in the fifth edition dm book that has like a guide to role playing or something like that there is there are some there are guides and charts and things about um increasing and enhancing role play um however as we've as everyone knows, that is in a book that the players are not going to read, and the DM might not read as well, because people like to play games without reading. Uh, that's just a fact of the matter. That's There's nothing you can really do about that, um, which is why I like to advocate for systems that are ingrained in the actual game about how to enhance your role play without needing the player to uh, consult the texts. You know what I'm low-key really wanting out of the 6th edition? I want them to just change the narrative and just create create enemies and monsters that are not just like regular level 1 fair. Like, I want them to create such a lore-filled version of Dungeons & Dragons in 6th edition that you have the option to fight Johnny from level one you have the option to fight other humans from level one you can take the story wherever it wants to go you're just not forced to fight from goblins from level one or rats or something right something that fourth edition did really well uh was that modular uh the modular monsters uh there's actually tools out there that were supposed to be released with fourth edition when it originally came out that allowed you to take any monster stat block and de-level it or increase its level in order to make it um, a balanced encounter for any level party, um, which would definitely make it a little bit more accessible for DMs to pit whatever enemy they want against their players that they think will have fun with and us make for more varied stories and more varied encounters yeah i don't know about you guys but i've always just made my own monsters and just scaled appropriately for the purpose of having fun well when you don't only play as rule as rain dnd gets more fun yes once you have become a more um experienced player and a more experienced dm the game opens up a lot for you uh, as I've said in my Building Encounters episode, check it out. I have not used any official material for making monsters in years. It's all just from being experienced. But that being said, the rules are going to be the first point of contact for 
any player or any DM into a new system. So they need to be robust enough and point the player or DM in the correct direction uh, from the get-go. What are the, some of the first things you look at on a monster sheet? So for instance, like I don't ever look in the player's hand, fifth edition player's handbook for any monsters because I hate how they describe or even give me information on these monsters. I usually go to the fourth edition and third and third edition versions or the wiki. What are the first things that you're looking for on an enemy sheet for you to be able to, to either bring that into your game or to have it become alive in your world? I look at the abilities first. I look at what it looks like and then what it can do. And then I mess with the numbers from there, depending on what level the party is and what their capabilities are. But I think um, in order for the campaign to be colorful and not horrendous to play where everyone just dies, I think you know, we really should be looking at what the monster is so we can educate the players and what is it that they can do so that they can be ready. Um, once that, the numbers can be messed with for any level. But I think those, especially for me, is what I would prioritize. Right. Uh, similar for me, I like to look at the abilities. And if I have access to it, I like to look at whatever lore is there for that monster. I'm a big fan of using any monster that has interesting abilities that can create whatever theme and emotion I want to create for that, um, that encounter. I personally don't think there's any reason to have a encounter with a monster unless it will be interesting. So whenever I have a new monster, it can't just be trying to eat the players, just pounce at them and eat them, or just swing a sword at them. There needs to be some sort of element in there that will make it interesting. So definitely the abilities are first and foremost, and that will, that will influence everything else. Something I did like in the fourth edition was that every monster had unique abilities and auras and things that set apart from every single other monster in the monster manual. Uh, so definitely, definitely want to see that bring back. Right, and that's why I put so much emphasis on describing a creature and knowing about what it is and what it does rather than what arbitrary numbers are on a piece of paper that I won't listen to anyways. I just want to finish game to be 100% real. I want a game where I can look through a monster manual and it's not like I need everything to be told to me but at least have some sort of feeling like that the monsters were designed that they were tested against different types of characters and that they actually were played in character so that when the monsters go up against player characters it's not just always getting washed or they die because okay the cr rating is too too low for what the damage the monster actually does like players should not be dying just to a random critical all the time Sometimes they should be dying to, oh, I didn't, I didn't respect the fact that this knoll had poison on it. 
and the poison isn't cured by normal means. Maybe I should have paid attention to that. Or I didn't know that this random lizard-looking thing was a basilisk, and it could turn me into stone. All of the all the interesting things that make fantasy gameplay fun. Right. It's all good points right there. And do we have any closing statements we want to make before uh, we wrap up the episode for the week? Any things we just want to reiterate that we really want to see or don't want to see in the next edition or any hopes we have for the next edition. In conclusion, I think what I want to see is the same level of um, friendliness and the same level of openness to all sorts of players, no matter what their backgrounds are, to come and enjoy the game that you know we all love to play. But I do not want to see that easiness traded for a lack of depth in the game. Right, I believe Watsi can definitely respect their player base enough to understand that uh, we're looking for something that we can pick up and play, but the player base is also not stupid. I've, I've talked to these guys, I've hung around with these guys, they're like... The players and the fans of this game, they make some incredible things. They are able to make some mechanically deep things, some philosophically deep things as well. Like, the players are not stupid. We can handle something more more complex. We can handle, handle deeper things. And if Watsi can acquiesce to that, I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah. In the end, all I really want is for them to really design the game and just don't hold back anything put as much information as you possibly can in there because even if it makes people who are i want to say more prone to not wanting to read so much content or they get scared off by the depth the depth of a system you'll attract the people who actually want to participate in it over time and that's what's shown when it comes to 4th edition, because people hated that in the beginning, and now more than ever, people are returning to the game in droves. Right, that ease of use will attract people in the beginning, and then that, uh, that depth and complexity is gonna, that's going to be what keeps them in the end. For me, I just want them to just be bold in the next edition, break from tradition, do some... Do some things that'll really catch our eye. Uh, rebalance the fighter again. That was pretty sweet when you did it in fourth edition. I like that. Um, but yeah, just some good change would be what I'm asking for. All right, and this has been Kyle, your Black Magic DM, here with the rest of the Cabal. Uh, signing out. Later, guys. Enjoy your games and have a wonderful day. Stay frosty. To all of our listeners at home, if you have any subjects you want discussed on the show, you can send a message to our Twitter page at BlackMagicDM1, or you can email us at BlackMagicDungeonMaster at gmail.com. Be sure to look out for new episodes every Tuesday on popular podcasting websites like Anchor and Spotify. And until then, thank you for listening.